If you'll open your Bible to page 1010, that's easy to remember. We're in the book of Romans today, and we're over in the 15th chapter. Of course, some of the great verses you know are in the book of Romans. And, uh, but really, when you get over in chapters 15, especially chapter 16, where it deals with a lot of practical things, but in chapter 15, likewise, it's some, you know, sometimes the end of a book, we don't dwell on it as much as we do the beginning or the middle of a book. But in Romans chapter 15, we're going to look at a verse that talks to us about what I want to talk about today, the best source of information. Now, I think we would all agree that we live in the information age. We really do. In fact, we, we just have information at our fingertips. There's just so many sources, so much information out there. Now, just because it's out there doesn't necessarily mean it's correct or right, but it's out there. And, uh, you know, we use it. Most of us every day, like I made a little list, like Google. I looked up two or three things this morning on Google. Now, you have to be, you know, it doesn't mean if it, what Google says is not, uh, wasn't inspired from heaven, but Google has a lot of information. Then there's Siri. I, I've always wanted to meet Siri. She, she just, it's the smartest woman I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but even sometimes Siri can give you directions that don't get you where you thought you were going. But be that as it may, she, I asked Siri several things this morning. He's just amazing. Siri's just a genius. I, I don't understand. Then there's the internet, just full of all kinds of information. And then, of course, sadly, I fear that most of our information comes from the media. Um, and... Uh, you know, TV and radio just full of all kind of information. Now, just, you know, it's not all true. Uh, we never know what's true. But it's, it's just coming. It's just we just bombarded with all this information. And depending on which network you watch. If you watch Fox, you get, you get one kind of information. If you say, no, I'm going to watch CNN, you, you get a, kind of the same stuff, but it's a little different information. It's like you're in two different countries. And... Uh, I will say this, Fox has had kind of a bad last week. They, 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 uh, they, I hope they have a lot of money because rather than go to trial, they didn't want to get the publicity that they were about to get. They just agreed, what was it, seven point something million dollars? They just said, hey, we'll just pay to stop this thing. Then uh, in the last few days or two ago, they, they, they fired uh, one of the people that's probably one of their main people, everybody thinks everything he says is right. Well, even the network we work for said, no, everything he said wasn't right. So bad, not right. They fired him. And then over on the other network, we had another uh, ending of employment. You, you just, you know, you just stand back and watch all this stuff and say, well, we don't know what's going on, but something's going on when the networks are firing their own people for whatever reason. And then, you know, a lot of our information just comes from people. Normally, you know, someone will say, have you heard? Yeah. Did you know? I, someone told me, boy, you're fixing to get you some good information now. <laughs> well, we do, you know, we have to use our brains. And, and, uh, and then, of course, we have books just because they're printed doesn't mean it's right. But we get a lot of good information from books. I just thank the Lord. And I, I, I use all this stuff, and I'm thankful for it. But having said that, the best source of information that we have is the Bible. And you figured I was going there, but I am. And, and I'm glad I am. because and, and the reason this is true, 
<laughs> the information we get in the Bible is always right. It's not ever wrong. Now, in fairness to all these others, as much as they're trying to have their information correct, they're human beings. And we human beings are just not always going to be right. And so, um, and, and people mean well, but you know, they don't always give the best information. Now the Bible does. I mean, for example, and the Bible does it several different ways. And I want to talk about that quickly in just a moment. One way is just like black ink on white paper. The Bible says, okay, now this is right. And if you don't do this, you do the, it's wrong. For example, I made me a little list. The Bible says it's always right to forgive people. Bible's clear about that. And that means it's always wrong not to forgive people. So that, you know, that's not a debatable issue. Now, many of us struggle with that, or maybe you don't, but many do. Uh, and all of us probably sometime have, but the Bible says, for example, it, it, it's always right not to steal. Take something that belongs to somebody else and take it for yourself, which means it's always wrong to steal. I mean, so, so on these kinds of things, like uh, the Bible says it's right to tell the truth. The Bible says it's right to be thankful. Uh, and, the, and the list is just endless of things that, that you know, it, it doesn't take a theologian to know that. Honor your father and your mother. You know, have no other gods before me. You, you take the Ten Commandments. I mean, it's just, it, this is it. So you don't have to get a commentary to try to figure that out. Now, another way the Bible gives information, this to me is a very exciting way, is the Bible uses biographical stories of godly people. Now look with me in Romans chapter 15 in verse 4. That's what this verse is saying. This verse says, whatever things were written before, I'm just talking about Old Testament scriptures, Whatever things were written before were written, why were they written? Why are they in the Bible? Why do we have all these Old Testament people's names in the Bible? Number one, watch it, for our learning, that's one reason. And then number two, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That word comfort could be translated as the word encouraged. And so the Bible, now I looked today right before I came uh, the New Living Translation, uh, you know, there are just so many good translations. That people say, which is the best? <laughs> They're all good. They all give a little different flavor. Let me read Romans chapter 15, verse 4 out of the New Living. It says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. Talking about all these people reading about in the Old Testament. Why, why are they there? Just so we know about? No, they're there to teach us, but not only that. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So, you know, our best source of information, there's no question about that. It is the Bible. Now, the best example to help us, though, is, is not really the people, the saints of God listening in the Old Testament. The best example is, of course, Jesus. Like one of the things the Bible helps us with, one of the issues, is like, how do we handle the pressures of life? So someone says, well, I need to go to Mardell or Barnes & Noble, or I better get on Amazon.com and get me a, see if I can find me a good book on how to handle stress, how to handle the pressures of life. Well, 
There are a lot of good books about that. But the best thing one could do is read the Gospels and read the life of Jesus and see how Jesus handled it. Like, like for example, no one's ever had more demands on his life than Jesus. I mean, really, uh, he, he was constantly interrupted. As you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it, it, of course, we just have a record, a brief period of his life, but just one interruption. He hardly ever had any time of his own. You know, if you just, if you just are always under the gun, you're always trying to, you know, move from A to B and you don't ever have any time to step back and take a deep breath. It becomes a very stressful thing. And if you, you begin to feel the pressure of all that, you know, you know, I've always thought, how did Jesus do that? He's, he's our example. How did he do it? Well, I think the answer to that is Jesus knew who he was. You remember these verses, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the son of God. I'm the way and the truth and the life. Jesus just knew who he was. And if we know who we are, now this may sound, this may sound like it doesn't matter. It's the biggest thing in the world. It's the big thing that matters about handling pressures and stress in life. You have to, first of all, know who you are. And Jesus is our example. And, you know, if we don't know who we are, what happens is we try to, we, we, we see other people that, that maybe seem to be doing it better or they're, they're being more successful or it looks like things are working out better for that person. And it's almost an intimidating thing because we, we somehow lose perspective of who we are. And that, that there's a lot of insecurity and people are turning to a lot of things because they really don't understand really who they are and who God made them to be. Now, I, I was thinking about that as I was thinking about today, and I thought, well, you know, one of, the, one of the first times I was ever aware of understanding how important it is to know who I am happened to me after I graduated from seminary and went to be the pastor of my first church after seminary. Now, I pastored a church for three years before seminary and then went to seminary. And then after seminary, I go to my first church after seminary. And I was 31 years of age. And the interesting thing about that church is a really good church. But the man who had been pastor for 11 years, who, from what I always heard and believe, was just an unusually good man and a godly man and respected by not only that church, but respected by everybody in that area. Well, he unexpectedly died. And that's quite a, uh, that, that's, that's a different kind of deal. Like in seminary, I had no training whatsoever on what would be involved in going to a church where the pastor was well-loved, the church was doing great, and he unexpectedly dies. Now, most of the time, when we go to a new church and the pastors left, they wished he had died. <laughs> well, maybe not really, but might be. <laughs> maybe more truth to that than I won't admit. Well, here I am now, I'm 31 years of age, and, and then to add to that, his widow was in the church. She's still there. And 
you know, that to me, I mean, maybe to you that doesn't seem like much of a deal, but I was 31 years of age and, and it was just an awkward kind of situation. It was just, you know, it, it was just like he was still there, but he wasn't there. And anything you did or wanted to do that maybe for whatever reason he did it a different way, it was almost like you were being disrespectful to the dead. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, now, what helped me in that? the best supporter I had in that church in those early years was his wife, his wife, Nita Webb. And, uh, and in fact, what made it even worse than that, she still lived in the parsonage. And when I got there, they said, well, what we're going to do, we're going to, we'll move her out of the parsonage so you can move in. And I said, well, wh where do y'all plan to move her? They said, well, we hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I said, well, I think we better think about that. And I did deal with that. And the church did, you know, the church sometimes doesn't know what to do, really. That's why God gives them a pastor. And I said, look, <laughs> you know, we, we can't put the former pastor's wife out on the street. In fact, we're going to do the opposite of that. We're going to provide her housing for the remainder of her life. And they did, and they were glad they did. And it worked out wonderfully well. But I'm just saying, in, in that, as a 31-year-old guy, I never felt the pressure to try to be Shields Webb. First of all, I knew I couldn't be Shields Webb, but I didn't feel that pressure whatsoever. I, I just knew who I was. I knew that I was not him. I was a 31-year-old guy going to my first church after seminary, and I wanted to do the best I could and be the best I could. But I think really there, in the early 70s, well, in fact, I went there in 73, in January, I think that's the first time that I thought, you know, uh, I've never been in a deal quite like this where I'm up against something that, uh, where somebody was probably much better in a lot of ways than me, but, but at the same time, I, I didn't feel intimidated by that. But what I didn't know was, you know, if you ever watched in life, when you look back, have you ever noticed how things happen that kind of prepare you for what's going to happen next? Have you ever paid attention to that? It's like God, in a progressive way, is kind of moving you through life from step to step to step. And as you journey along, you're learning things here that will help you there. Well, I go to my second church. I was there almost nine years. So I go to my second church in 1981, First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs, Texas. Now, it, I, didn't, I didn't realize it till right before I was about to go there, but some of my preacher buddies said to me, how are you going to, how, you're going to go be a pastor first of Springs. Have you ever looked at who their former pastors have been? I said, well, no, not really. And I hadn't gotten there yet. And some of my seminary buddies said, well, you, you know, I, I'd be somewhat nervous thinking. And so I, I kind of got me a little pictorial director of that church, who these guys had been. And I started reading these names and I thought, oh my gracious, C. Wade Freeman. Now some of these names won't mean anything to you, but I'll explain them all. C. Wade Freeman had pastored the church. Dr. Darrell Morgan had pastored the church. J. Howard Williams had pastored the church. John Sullivan had pastored the church. <laughs> Richard Jackson had pastored the church. And here I come. And uh, now they kind of always had a bad one after every one of these good ones. Had a good one, bad one, good one, bad one. But uh, anyway, you say, well, what? Well, let me tell you about C. Wade Freeman 
Freeman left that church to be head of evangelism in, in, in the state of Texas. Dr. Darrell Morgan left to be the president of the annuity board for Southern Baptist Convention. J. Howard Williams left the church to go be president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. John Sullivan left the church to go be executive director of Baptist of Texas Baptist in Florida. And Richard Jackson, who's preached in our church, one of our dearest friends, he left that church to go to North Phoenix Baptist Church, which was just an absolutely unbelievable church. And I thought, my gracious, here I come following these guys, and, and I'm not any of these guys. But I thought, you know, I, 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 what I'll do, I'll just, like one of my preaching buddies said, what are you going to do when you get there? You know, have you ever noticed your friends sometime are doom and gloom? Have you ever noticed that? None of them said, boy, you'll have a great ministry there after these guys who preceded you. They were saying, you're going to be out of your ballpark when you go there. I really love those dear brothers that I had. Well, I'll tell you how I answered one of them because he really kind of got under my skin the way he said it. I said this, I'm going to show up. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not any of them. I'm not going to try to be any of them. I can't be any of them. I, I just know who I am and I'm going to be. I think that there's something, I'm onto something here that causes many people to struggle with a lot of uh, insecure feelings because they compare themselves with other people and what they've done when, when really that's not a very fair thing at all. I think a second way to handle life's pressures is to spend your time doing what you believe is important. Now, this is a real deal here. This is what Jesus did. Jesus said, the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus knew why God the father sent him to the earth. And he, he spent, he focused on that his whole time. Now, he spent his whole earthly life doing what he felt was the important thing that he was here to do. Now, he, here's what I've learned. If, if I don't decide what I feel is important, then day after day after day, I'm going to let what other people decide <laughs> is important for me to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's, 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 it's like a ping pong game. You know, because everybody has what they think is important and you want to, you want to help and do what you can. But, but the fact of the matter is, uh, what we don't realize is we're letting other people spend our life. Now, like you wouldn't want somebody to hack your bank account and get your money. No, but what we do, we let other people and things hack our life and steal from us what God has given us. So now that doesn't mean we get to do everything we want to do all day, 24 seven. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this, like when I got up this morning, I already knew before I got up what I considered to be important for me today. And it started in my study at home in God's word and in prayer. Now, I think that's very important. Now, if I said yes to every good thing I'm invited to go and do, I wouldn't even have time to have a quiet time. I'd just get up, get dressed as quickly as possible, and get to doing what everybody else has decided is important. Or there are, there are those that really don't ever think about it. Like they just... 
ministers sometimes just kind of come to work and sit in their chair and say, well, when the phone rings, whatever, hey, I'll do whatever I have to do. Well, what they're, they don't realize, they're just, <laughs> they're just letting whatever happens decide what's important in their life. And that is really a, a bad, bad way to do that. I want to encourage you. And, and that doesn't mean that everything we do every day is what we have on our important agenda. But the main things we, folks, there's nothing you can do in the day that's as important as spending time with God. Could I have an amen to that? And if we're not careful, and some days will be better than others, and I'd be the first to say that. There'll just be things. Uh, but, but by and large, if, if you don't have that nailed down, you just kind of let the events of the day drive you through the day. And that's, that's just not a very good ride. It's a much better ride to stand back and say, now, you know, and then, then we have our jobs. We have our th- these things have to be done. All. But the important thing is the most important thing I do. I was thinking as I was walking out of my study at home today, uh, of course, I've just got bookcases there, you know. I just, I, I just look at the books, I have a good feeling. Because I, 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 just, I just feel drawn to learn about God and study about God and read my Bible and see. And that's where this little card comes in so helpful. As I read my Bible, I think, is it a promise to claim? Is it a lesson to learn, a blessing to enjoy, a command to obey, a sin to avoid, a new thought to carry with me through this day? And Father, all of us, our life is more valuable, more precious than whatever we have in a bank whatever we have in retirement, whatever we have materially. I mean, we thank you for all of that. But God, nothing is as precious as our life. And it's, and it's not forever, God. We just have this brief span of time compared to eternity. Help us, God, to, to just know who we are. Some can do things better than others. I can do things better than some people. Some people can do a lot of things better than I can. That's okay. I, but I know who I am. And I know what I can't do. But God, more than that, I just pray that you help me and help all of us stay focused on what we really believe is most important. And God, that is you. And every day, spend some time with you to get ready for what that day brings. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.